Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live outrage. from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about, time for Mortgage Matters. Well, hello. Good morning, everyone. Welcome, welcome. Morning, Jim. Good morning, Dan. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome back, Dan. Yeah, I'm back. You haven't seen Dan like in almost a month. Yeah, right. Between two vacations. He goes through those spells where he just doesn't think showing up's important. (laughs) Well, then I was on vacation for two weeks, and then he went on vacation. Oh, it was partially. partially, It's not all Dan. Yeah, that's right. I thought we were going to accuse Dan of having like a month off. Not. No. So what's going on, guys? Anything new? Nothing. No. I mean... School's no. back in yeah, session. Back Kids in. are going to school. Yeah, so that's cool. What yes. else? I don't know. It's just I went away for awesome. a week and was completely disconnected from the world. <clears throat> Had no internet, no cell. That's, that's awesome. That's yeah, it was great. great. Where did you go? It's a it's a campground off of Highway 50 uh-huh. um, in the town of Kybers. It's called Silver Fork Campground. It's on the Kybers. Silver Fork of the American River. Hmm. Never heard of Kybers. Kybers, yeah, Kybers, if you blink, you miss it. It's yeah. a pretty small town. Mm-hmm. It's a little past Placerville. Oh, okay. Um, but, you know, about a half hour before you get to um, South Lake Tahoe. Awesome. So, Sounds like a great yeah, time. It's eight miles off the highway. There's nothing out there but trees and trees, streams, lakes. Mm-hmm. It's pretty nice. I will say I had the unfortunate experience of having to go to Fresno this week oh. in 106 degree temperatures, <laughs> but it was kind of cool because um, I actually saw gasoline be- below $3 a gallon. Wow. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. To say it's going down, but in Fresno, it was like at two ninety a gallon. Wow. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. My so dad, insane. my dad came to town last night. He's just here for the weekend and he said that, uh, Gas like a buck a gallon more expensive here. Yeah. Seems very expensive yeah. compared to other places. Well, yeah. Well, like when I was in Yellowstone, I had to pay buy some gas up there in the park. Mm. People are complaining because it's in Wyoming. It's three nineteen a gallon in the park. And you're like, <laughs> so what's the problem here? <laughs> you know, you ought to go to cheap. Ragged Point. <laughs> There's this place where I come from where they charge like eight bucks a gallon for gas. Yeah. yeah. When you're in the park. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Dan, I'm sure you brought some uh, explanation today for the wildness of the stock market lately. It's been pretty good. Yeah, it, it, it mellowed down a little bit, right, last few days? Uh, yeah, I, you know, was was gone the first two days of the week, so. So you're not, you don't feel all <laughs> dialed in on the, no. on the what happened I there? I felt like I spent the last part of this week just, um. Just regrouping, you know, that, what I, which, what I realized when I go on vacation is that it's not like the work gets done for you when you're gone. It's just stacking up. So that's right. I've just called being the owner of the business. I've been, like. I've been uncovering <laughs> for the last three days. 
Those those were the first couple firings I felt comfortable making during my professional career. Uh-huh. Was the people that went on vacation and when they got back, you realize it wasn't bad when they were gone and they didn't have anything to do when they got back. Uh, hey, who hired you? Well, you did, Jason. <laughs> what do you do here for us exactly? <laughs> no, it was it was be- before we yeah. owned our own business, just yeah. back when you know was doing the management thing. Yeah. I uh, I prepared a little piece here to talk about. If you want to talk about that market turbulence, something sure. something yeah. to talk about, something to kind of understand. Um, yeah, I did. I did catch some wild swings in stock markets. Shoosh. Seemed like the bond market was pretty steady. Got down almost below two for a second. Got like to the two point oh one percent mark, and I think we finished up the week closer to two point two. Um, and during those great big sell-offs, I, I hoped and expected that the bonds would stay lower for a little bit longer and help bring interest rates back down. All in all, you know, the, the movement in the market didn't change interest rates too terribly much. Um, and I think the volatility was hopefully a little bit short-lived. I mean, big problems over in China, I think, obviously sparked the biggest part of it. And... You know, I, I got asked this question a couple times this week as to, uh, you know, what's going on with China and why is it such a big deal? Um, so that was kind of some of the stuff I uh, put into this document here. Um, China's economy comprises about 15% of the world GDP. So um, that's a third of jo- global growth. And Wait, what? It's a third of the global growth. So of what's developing in the world, what is going on in China, it's only about 15% of the GDP, which is still a pretty good chunk, all things considered. But it counts for a third of the growth. And that's the, really the biggest thing. Um, and I think that's really the number one thing of, of how it affected the U.S. oh so much is we need – the global economy to have some strength so that we have a marketplace to participate in. Uh, Really, China is important to that. And we learned that this week. It was uh, certainly reiterated as China was in a little bit of a free fall. Um, They've had their stock markets gone crazy low. They've had interest rate problems. Um, the, the Shanghai composite has fallen by more than 40% from its high in June. Um, and the Yuan obviously has been having problems. China's central central bank has cut the reserve requirement ratio and interest rates kind of trying to do some of those things that we did here in the U S to, to sort of get money moving and get things growing and, and bumping along and, um, at we, the same time, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, you said the yuan's having problems. Wasn't it a couple of weeks ago that, that they were all in, in the paper and on the news for manipulating the currency, the value right. of the currency? Yeah, the devaluation of that. and Trying and, to make their their goods and their goods look more attractive to overseas. Right. And, and ultimately, you know, that has a big impact on that global growth part. Um, we also saw that, um, you know, a little bit of the, the stuff here on our own soil, um, the July Fed minutes from our last uh, open market committee meeting, uh, it showed that there, the Feds are probably a little bit more concerned than they're letting on about low inflation. 
Um, and all of a sudden we saw lots of that, the dovish word getting kicked around again, suggesting that, um, the September rate hike probability has dropped almost to nothing now. I mean, last I was reading, it's less than 25%. Whereas like a short three weeks ago, um, that number was at close to 75%. Um, so and then, you know, just the, the big picture here and really where it falls, I think, mostly for the U.S. and how it affects our economy here is, is just really the, um, the global economy outlook and, and what's going on within the strength of the rest of the world. And it's one of those things where I think the U.S. Is, uh, has been doing a bit better, but, you know, everybody else is lagging behind far enough that now that's caused some concern. I couldn't help but wonder when it was all happening. Was the stock market just overvalued? I mean, I've been thinking so for years. And it, it's funny that it it kind of doubled back and recovered quite a bit of the losses that we were having. Um, seeing the stock market go down a 1,000 points in a day was awfully um, bizarre. I mean, we haven't seen that in years, right? When was the last time you saw the 1,000-point drop? Was there really a thousand point drop? Yeah, while you were gone, there was a thousand point drop, and in one day, in one day, wow! I think it it recovered back up to having only been down six hundred points, but we had multiple days in a row of five six hundred point um, down. So it was definitely volatile, and everybody's been talking about it. What's going on there? Uh, I saw some funny pieces, you know, not funny like in content, but just funny of the spin that was placed on it about this is the bubble bursting now. Everybody, you know, buckle up and get ready because this overvalued stock market's going to blow up in your face and we're all going to lose everything. Um, but it seems like almost right away when the um, the Chinese banks sort of got in there and, and made a couple tweaks, it calmed things down a little bit and now... We sort of smoothed back out, and, and we'll see. But everyone will be watching to see what happens over the next couple of weeks. So this week, I got dropped in on by one of our um, service providers, our health insurance um, guy, Steve Polk, over on uh, Marsh in San Luis. He dropped in the office just to pay a visit, talk about some upcoming changes with healthcare. But we started talking about stocks and the world economy and what's going on with all the volatility, things like that. And you and I know Steve, you know, personally, too, he's his he really enjoys the financial markets as a hobby, um, pays the close attention. So we started talking and his his view was that, um, you know, all this run up in stock value isn't necessarily because these companies are selling more or no. growing. It's one of the big things they've been doing while money is so cheap is borrowing money at zero percent interest, doing stock buybacks which makes their stock value go up, makes their CEOs look great. Everyone can pat them on the back, pay them more money. Um, but really, you know, it's just this money manipulation type of thing, or not money manipulation, but it's the manipulation of the stock price with buybacks because of the cheap borrowing. You know, it's not like you and I can go to the bank and borrow money for 0%, but these large companies that are able to access those types of, of loans, um, are able to get get these stock buybacks done and yeah it is it's it is kind of feeling like a house of cards and that was ultimately what we both agreed on well yeah i mean in and that's really like a couple minutes ago when i said i i feel like it's been overvalued for a few years now 
we saw the stock market hitting all-time highs before the economy, before the U.S. economy is back to full employment with, you know, wage growth and appropriate household job type of things well ahead of what's going on in the global economy. So it's, it's a wild thing that you see we're just off of you know, some very accommodating monetary policy. We still have really low interest rates. Um, and here we've got, we've had the Dow pushing into all time record highs. Um, it's one of those things where you, you know, and, and housing seems like it's done this again recently too. There's no room for just chop it along as a kind of a steady, you're not declining, but you're not rapidly growing. There's not very much room for that. It's been so much we're like fully depressing one pedal or the other. We're slamming on the brakes or we're jumping on the gas. And it's what happened to just hitting cruise control somewhere safely in the middle without, without all that volatility or big, big movement in one direction or the other. Who knows? Maybe, the, maybe those days are just past. Um, in terms of all the stock and stuff, though, I, every time I talk to friends about stocks and stuff, nobody understands what a stock buy is anymore. Um, it's like, yeah, well, I really like my iPhone, so I'm buying Apple. That's that's what that is. Or I, I heard Amazon's a great stock to buy, so I'm doing that, you know? It's no longer understanding what their, you know, sales are, what their research and development's leading them to, what patents they've applied for. It used to be a bit more of a game about being intelligent about what you bought because you were afraid of losing money. Whereas today it's like, ah, oh, don't worry about that. As long as you're, you know, diverse and in, you know, buying a couple different things, just go for it. It's all going up. Weird. All right. Well, Hey, it's uh, about time here to do the first commercial break of the show. So we'll stop and do that. Um, if you guys want to call in and ask a question, you're welcome to do so. It's, uh, I think it's just me and you, Dan, we don't, we don't have any guests on the book, so we should, we should be here just waiting for you guys. Your phone calls, <laughs> ask your questions. Last week, Wes basically was that last week? Oh, Wes just took over the show last week. He full on begged for phone calls, and yeah. I, I'm not sure he got one. Did he? He did. Maybe one. Actually, he did. Yeah. Yeah, he did get a call. And he got his sales. Uh, I think he got actually a re referral out of it, too. Killer. Oh, wow. So, yeah. That was good, good for him. Yeah. All right. So, commercial break time. We'll be back in a minute for more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. 
Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks. I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. Our loans are not trucked in from some big bank. They're raised right here on the Central Coast. No hormones, no GMOs, no antibiotics. Call today and get your gluten-free mortgage from a caring lender that knows you only accept the best for your family. Just call Central Coast Lending. You buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your host, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. I don't know. I just like it. <laughs> it's like Graduate's a great movie. A weird movie. Weird movie. I I watched that movie a couple years ago. Felt like I should. Got to the end of it and was like, "That's a weird movie, man." I was, I was talking about it in the Motormouth show. Did you uh, notice that they uh, go through the Gaviel Tunnel on their way from Los Angeles yep. to Santa Barbara? Totally. Interesting. All right, guys. Welcome back. Um, I have a question for you. Yeah. You know, we've... Real estate companies have been doing, uh, like, DocuSign, like, e-signatures by one... DocuSign's just one vendor, but the e-signature type of thing for a while now. Um, You have some documents you need to have signed by a client. So you put it into this, the PDF through their program where you can drop the little signatures where it needs to be signed. And then you address it to an individual, uh, send it to them by way of email. And it's been pretty convenient, right? There's a yeah. lot of people been using it. They it's, get to review the document. Yeah. And, f- and then they get to sign or initial or date or whatever they need to do according to it's form. very convenient, and, and one of the, the and then they get a copy of a fully executed document. Right, and, and say signed. yeah, say three or four different parties are supposed to sign this document. Now, if we all sign just our little copy, it sort of keeps track of all that. And at the end, you have that instead of having four countersigned copies like you might have used to have. Now you just get your document with uh, all four parties' signatures in one document. It's pretty cool. Um, the lending industry sort of resisted this for a few years and um within the last couple years most have come around except for a couple of very specific forms it's widely accepted that you can use electronic signatures now on loan disclosures and things like that Uh, for for upfront loan disclosures. yeah right so i'm curious um thought it was kind of an interesting thing to talk about you've done e-signatures yourself a few times Mm-hmm. Um, do you find that it is uh, 
having some effect on impact on whether or not you're reading and comprehending what you're signing? Yeah, I do. I do think would you say it. that you might even be robo-signing? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what robo-signing means, but there... I think really just just clicking through and signing without a lot of uh, attention paid to what it is, the content that you're actually signing. I'll tell you what. The couple times that I have DocuSigned a document um, here recently, I've... I have a lot of confidence in the person who's producing the document in the first place and what the whole document's about. So, yeah, when I get the document, I don't I haven't read it. Um, I don't spend the time reviewing it before signing. I just rush to the signature part, make sure that my name's spelled correctly and sign initial date, click, 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 and I'm done. So, yeah, I do think that if people are just kind of on autopilot and not... Um, either don't take the time or don't care or whatever um, and they don't read it all then yeah they've they've potentially put themselves in a in a bad position if if they don't understand and don't have a lot of confidence or don't have that trust level with the person producing this right well in the mortgage business now we're kind of latching onto this more and more um, uh, under some new requirements that are going to come out now on October 1st I guess it is is that right yeah October 1st there's really this onus now to to be able to really prove an intent to proceed in the beginning of the loan transaction. So the companies that are still doing the old-fashioned sign-by-hand disclosures are now moving over into doing this, um, you know, some sort of electronic signature. The CFPB is currently having discussion today as to whether or not you should be allowed to do your closing documents with these signatures. That would be... Um, so much easier and more convenient. And of course, it, it starts a, it, there's a great uh, forum here to have a, a debate on whether or not it's a good thing. Some of the numbers, though, um, now this is done by Doc Magic, right? They're a, one of the vendors that, that we actually use for producing closing documents. They're talking about um, the CFPB's e closing forum. Um, they've actually allowed Doc Magic to be a pilot participant um, in e-closing to b- work towards essentially seeing if you could get. Because man, when was the last time you went and closed a loan? Um, go to one of those signings. It's like a three-inch stack. It's a lot of stuff. Deal of paper. Yeah. And there's at least a dozen forms in there that need to be notarized, right? So you got that going on with the notary and 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 some of the forms are just totally boilerplate right they're the same for everybody the fair housing ones the equal credit opportunity the right to receive an appraisal machine copies notice i mean these forms are there's nothing in them that is helping anybody and it's 100 percent the same for every person that gets a loan then there's a few though that really matter um, those ones that are totally unique to you, the ones that are full of numbers, yeah, like your good faith estimate, or even, I mean, your note, which I like to think that all companies are being pretty upfront about what they're putting in their note, but there's some stuff that can go in your note that can have a pretty big impact on that loan that you're getting. I mean, things about a prepayment penalty and acceleration clauses and, you know, things like that, that will have, will prove to have some big impact, whether or not your loan is assumable by a third party. Um, so 
I think that one of the problems with the e-signing piece here is that there isn't a lot of um, opportunity to sort of highlight like, hey, this is the group that you should really pay particular attention to. These are the documents that you want to slow down and read. They are very specific to your transaction. And then I think also that there's a there's an opportunity for another category of documents to say, hey, this is the stuff that's standard on every loan. Nothing in here is specific to your transaction or, or having anything to do with the terms of the credit that you're being offered. Um, it's just like they're just notices. Yeah. And I, I really think that um, I would like to see us actually move towards doing some e-closing, provided that people aren't just robo-signing, right? Just click and sign without understanding. Um, but, you know, interestingly enough, there was a recent survey done to find out how the public felt about this. I was kind of surprised to see this. Um, 94 point something percent of people said that, um, they'd prefer e-disclosures, um, e-signed documents over the sign by hand with paper. That I think is surprising. That's a overwhelming number of, or, you know, percentage of the people surveyed. I can only think that it's because we're addicted to convenience and... But it's kind of scary at the same time, coming off the heels of people claiming that they got sold products they didn't know. They didn't understand. didn't understand. I sure. mean, you would think that everyone would, especially with it being so recent, that everyone would, would be like, no, 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 we need, to, we need to thoroughly understand every document before we sign. Many of the people that come into my office like that, though, that say, hey... I got this loan from, you know, whatever bank a few years ago. And here's, I didn't know X, Y, and Z. So, okay, well, give me your paperwork. Well, they didn't even give me a copy of it. Interesting. I think one of the big benefits of using these kinds of e-documents here is that you get it and it's a third party that delivers it to you. And so then you end up with a the true copy of that at that point to keep indefinitely i think that's a that's a pretty big benefit i do like that aspect of it um but the reality of it is i think is that is that there's just too many forms in here where um absent of you know because like if if i just do e-disclosures with you i don't really have an opportunity to walk you through everything I don't have an opportunity to direct you to the part of this form that's significant. That's what I was going to say. Even with the initial disclosures, you know, initial disclosures or the final closing package, even, you know, there's still this tendency when, when you've got a stack of papers in front of you that you just start, you know, just tell me where to sign. <laughs> you know, I've, uh, this is getting old. I've been here for an hour. I've been signing my name a hundred times. Just tell me where to sign. I don't really care what all this stuff is, but at least you're there. And if something catches your eye, you have the opportunity to say, wait, wait a second. What does that mean? Whereas in the e-disclosure process, when you're kind of on your own in your house, in front of your computer, or wherever you are, you might not have that professional there to ask a quick question to. And you might, just click. Yeah, you might just click and be like, ah, well, it, I don't want to ask a dumb question. I don't yeah. want to call and bother people. And so there's that. That kind of worries me a little bit about it. But I think there's a there's like a happy medium that you could find here. Because I like the idea of not having to print out a ream of paper to then sign and scan it back into a digital form. I like that 
aspect of it. I like the ease of it that you don't have to like get carpal tunnel while you're trying to get a mortgage. <laughs> um, I think that there could be an e signet an e sign closing in front of a real live notary. <coughs> Because another problem I see is when you have a husband and wife, and we see this um, usually among an older couple where they share an email address. Like my my dad and stepmom do this where they they have their one home email address that they share. Jan and Dave at whatever.com. Um, how do you know that when you've sent disclosures or documents or whatever to for two different people to sign to the same email address that 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 maybe just one of them is signing for both. I see potential problems there that, you know, one spouse, you know, especially later if like there's a parting of, you know, if they divorce or whatever and and they still own this real estate together that one could say, hey, I didn't I didn't ever sign those documents. That person duped me or duped everybody and signed for me. You know, so if you had the e-disclosure like title companies would have iPads in the office or something where then you could do a digital thing, but in front of a, a notary or in front of your loan officer or whoever's in there that you can ask questions if you need, but then it's still kind of an easy process. At least you're just clicking and not having to sign and do all that stuff. I think that would be a nice compromise. Yeah, yeah that would be a nice thing to do. In terms of how you know who signed it, that's always really bothered me about the disclosures component of it is how easy it is for you to create an f- email address and yeah, all what I, other verification I'm supposed is there? to I'm supposed to make sure be reasonably sure that I'm having my disclosure signed by Dan Podesto. Okay. Oh hey, well, it's deep Podesto at Yahoo. So that's all I really be, need. I mean, um, that's really the only verification that goes on in an e signature process. Sure. And then you know, so after that, it's like, well, if I'm if I'm reasonably sure that I sent these to to this Dan Podesto, um, and they came back signed, then I did my part, right? If you intercepted the email because you're posing to be Dan, or you created an alias email that you then represented as his, and so we did that, and it wasn't right. Well, that's on you. Now you you you've orchestrated fraud that's not there isn't anything that i've done wrong in that scenario and i think really um that's kind of a cop-out and i wonder if that's gonna play out here soon where lenders some somewhere along the way and it probably is going to be that family email address thing like you say where you know let's just say my wife and i are getting a loan and we applied online and you did e-disclosures back to, you know, the jnmel at gmail.com. And, and then I just clickety clickety, I signed for me and I signed for her because it's, I'm sitting there, she was doing dishes or what have you. And I just, it was easy for me. Um, we do a cash out refi, get on down to the end of it. And again, do some clickety sign thing take $100,000 out of the house to waste or whatever, then at some point down the road, she's like, wait a minute, we didn't get a new loan. Oh, yeah, you did. No. Yeah, here's your e-sign. Well, I didn't, that wasn't me. You sent that to this other email that's not even secure to me. That's not, I don't even know the password to that. How could I possibly have borrowed that money? That's where I like the idea of, if you're going to e-sign, especially the final documents, at least do it in front of a a notary 
because that way they can they're an independent third party that's verifying that not only you are who you say you are but that you're at least engaged for that hour of time that it takes to go through the documents whether or not you're reading everything at least you're engaged in the process and you they're confident that you know that you're signing for a loan well and what's (laughs) it called when you're um you got to be found like reasonably competent or sane or something yeah that's the other thing to engage in a contract you have to be of age and you have to be like you can't be coerced into it right you have to be we get every now and again it happens even here in little old slow is we'll get some you know adult children that are like 60 something years old that are in here to do a refinance of of mom's property and you're like okay well i really need to talk to mom here well, mom's too old for that. You know, she's in a home. Huh. And so she can't, like, she really needs to redo this loan, but she's incapable of talking to me about it. You know, every now and again, something like that pops up. And, you know, doing this E, the new E world might allow somebody to to take advantage of a situation like that or something. But, yeah, I, I like that idea what you're saying. How about a hybrid? We'll all come to the signing table still with our escrow agent or notary where there'll be like a host of iPads where, yeah. you know. Everyone can follow along. The, po- and- the parties are identified. You're sure that they're all, you know willing and able to participate and then then as you as you go through it that will take care of itself and then in the end yeah you don't waste all the paper you don't waste all the signatures you're confident everyone gets a full copy of everything that was signed by all parties yeah i I really like that idea i think going the e-signature and e-closing package and you know that that paperless route is inevitable so it's just Sure. Knowing that that's the end game, how do we make it? How do, how do we, you know, make sure that everybody is signing and and everybody's fully engaged and everybody's you know of of the right mental capacities and things like that? Right. Hey guys, time for a commercial break. Here it's nine thirty eight. You're listening to Mortgage Matters. Um, you're probably dozing off now as we're talking about like e signatures and people. <laughs> Anyway, I find it interesting. I do too. <laughs> and it's interesting, I think, to see the direction that business is heading in, because this isn't just real estate and mortgage type of stuff. These electronic consents and stuff are becoming more and more a part of everything. Oh, this um, is just the world. We want to try to like interact with as few humans as possible. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I have to sign an electronic signature on the taxes. Right. You know, that's yeah. cool. I mean, just lots of times you sign electronically. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Oftentimes, I want to just be able to sign more electronically, mm-hmm. especially when someone gives me a form. They're like, hey, can you sign this? Mm-hmm. God, I don't even have printer ink, dude. Yeah, that's my signature. I, <laughs> I can on Monday. I'll take it to work and I'll like print it and then I'll sign it and then I'll <laughs> scan it. Can you just come up with a way where I can just go, yes, click? We had the Xerox people drop by our office the other uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like so we're here. Just you know, we can do an analysis on your equipment and why not? So, so where's your copier? My what? Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Yes. I'm like, well, that's our scanner. And but, like, yeah. oh, that's what that is. I'm like, you guys are like dealing with copiers way too much. You got to get familiar <laughs> with that thing. It's just, a scanner. Totally. <laughs> just pray to God the kids can't get a hold of your signature somehow. Yeah. Yeah, Trey has my permission to be out of school all next week. 
Jason Grody. That has weathered the test of time. Kids will learn their parents' signatures digitally or not. If your kid is signing your signature to get himself out of school, the signature part is not where you went wrong parenting. Well, nowadays schools will call you. Did you they do. They form? call us every. No, they call every time our kids are like tardy or truant. They call. And it's especially annoying when, like, you know, we're out of the area because we had to be and we took the kids out of school. And then I get three phone calls. Yeah. Did you know that Trey is missing school today? Yeah, yep. right He's next right here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the call. Yeah. Well, and then if you're missing, like, you know, nowadays they don't get paid. Like, the school gets less money or something if your kid's missing school. So then they need you to get a doctor's note or something. Mm -hmm. So micromanaging the parents there yeah. all right break time <laughs> it was only three minutes ago that i started that break all right let's do it commercial break we'll be back in more minutes mortgage matters with host dan and jason will be right back join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832 this is jason grody with central coast lending I see you at our kids' Little League games, I bump into you at the grocery store, and it's always fun when we pass each other at Farmer's Market. I'm not a national bank or a faceless website. I'm a local lender, accountable, competitive, and ready to help. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 home. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending.
All right, guys, welcome back. It's been more minutes now, so you're here. (laughs) (laughs) You know what else you missed while you were out, Dan? You missed so much. What was that? Just being gone for a week's worth of camping. Um, USDA, did you hear about this? USDA is raising their funding fee. I, I did catch that. Shoosh. So right now, if you buy a house, a three hundred thousand dollar house on a on a USDA loan, you no down payment required. Right. But what they do is you have mortgage insurance. There's two components to the mortgage insurance. There's an upfront mortgage insurance fee, basically gets funded into the loan, and it. You, I mean, you can pay it in cash if you want to. You can. But it's two percent of the loan amount. So. So typically, you're taking out a one hundred and two percent loan against your home. When yeah, you're your three hundred thousand dollar house. You actually start with a loan for three hundred and six thousand dollars. And so they've raised that now from 2% to 2.75%. They really like their program. That's high. It is. And I mean, you know, and really what that money does is it it happens at funding, right? So you pay it back over time. Um, I think really how many of those USDA loans are paid off? Like, and and I don't mean just paid off because obviously if you refinance your house or you sell your house, then they are collecting all of the unpaid principal, which includes that fee and they're paid then at that point. But I'm talking about just somebody just making payments over time. Those probably not that likely that those things are getting paid. So, so really I think that additional fee and and what it's for is if you, because you're making no down payment, you and everybody else that's using that program, if there's a problem with somebody's loan, then the those funding premiums that everybody's paid will be enough to cover the losses, right? I mean, that's the idea behind it. Funds. Yeah. So is this change a reaction to de- the declining rate of home appreciation? I don't think so. Okay. Um, I mean, it's not clearly published what the there was no the catalyst is. Provided. No, it's I mean, it's to to create additional revenue for the program, you know, and and kind of fight off future losses. Well, right? we and know have greater reserves. This program, probably more than any other, has always faced funding challenges yep. because it requires a a federal grant of some sort to to provide the funds necessary to, to provide this program. And the goal, they've, they've changed the mortgage insurance with USDA a number of times over the past four years or so. And it was to, it was an effort, all the changes have been in an effort to try to make this, the program self-sustaining rather than requiring an injection of new funds each year. Because every, it seemed like every year what we'd hap, what would happen is around the end of summer, you'd hear like, okay, we're out of USDA funds. The program is temporarily um, you know, unavailable until new funding is available or, or is awarded in October. Right. And that's kind of how it went. And then a, few, a year or two ago, they, they did a, some kind of funding initiative that said, okay, we've, we've got the program shored up through 2020, but this is maybe an effort to solve the problem beyond that. And make sure that it's a self-funded, you know, self-sufficient type of program. Well, and I think if you zoom out a little bit and see what's been going on with the overall mortgage industry, um, you mean first of all, USDA has got to be having some decline in volume, right? As as home values go up, it becomes yeah. really hard to values qualify. rebound. 
And it, like in our county, the max loan amount you could do is 417. Yeah. And it's been that. 417 has been the number, I, I want to say, since 2005 or yeah, 6. Yeah, it's been about 10 years. So for 10 years, that's been the maximum USDA loan that you could do. Um, but now that we've recovered from that, you know, the recession and the, that radical devaluation of real estate, it's back now. It's getting hard to find too many houses around the county. I mean, it used to be a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. I'd almost say the average house in Oso, or I mean, like a Tascadero or whatever, would be less, or you know, something in the three hundred thousands. Today, most of the houses that you see in a Tascadero that are like your standard, even fourteen or fifteen hundred square foot house, are north now of the four hundred thousand mark. So. I do. I think there's going to be less market share to some degree, but also those other programs like FHA, only three and a half percent down. They recently lowered their monthly mortgage insurance cost, right? Um, but I mean, on FHA, the mortgage insurance is life of loan now. They so is also, USDA, though. yeah, but they also have that upfront portion. But it's now going to be a full point lower than the US, the new USDA one. And I think the reality of it is, is that if you change the monthly fee greatly, then you radically impact who can qualify, right? I mean, if if I made my monthly mortgage insurance go from fifty bucks a month to a hundred bucks a month, I'm making it more expensive now for every consumer. It's harder for them to qualify for it. The flip side of the coin is I can make you borrow more to put more reserves into the into the program itself and take care of any future losses. That's probably just a little bit better route to go. Whereas like you on FHA, they're charging more per month. But see, both of those programs, they're easy to compare to one another. They both have a lower interest rate than like the conventional loan. So if you can qualify for a USDA or you get an FHA loan, yeah, you're going to have monthly mortgage insurance that most of the time is for the entire life of the loan. But your interest rate is generally, I don't know, a quarter to three-eighths in percentage points less than what it is for a conventional loan. So I think they recognize that as we enter into this uh, climate of increasing interest rates where everything's just going up over time, more people are going to have those USDA loans for longer. And if you're not raising what you're getting every month, then, you know, you want to raise what you collect at the at the funding of that loan to create those reserves for the company for the long haul. So I, I think it's probably just sort of a, a realigning of where the money's going to come from with both a reduction in volume, but also people keeping those loans longer as we head into this in increasing interest rate environment. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the volumes go with the programs. I, I kind of get the feeling that, you know, USDA isn't necessarily working with HUD, working with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. I don't think all these agencies are collaborating and coming up with a cohesive plan of attack. They don't have to, really. <laughs> because I mean, part of me was thinking, well, you know, by, by bringing these mortgage insurance premiums more in line with one another, because that's essentially... I mean, USDA is going to be more expensive up front, but a little lower monthly. US FHA has come down on the monthly, or they're also cheaper on the upfront. You know, it seems like then it's just going to be a decision of credit-wise, where do you fit? You know, do you fit in a conventional credit, uh, FHA credit, or 
USDA. And USDA has long been a program where if you can make a down payment, they don't want you to use that program. But people see like, oh, well, USDA has the cheapest monthly payment and that's with me making no down payment. I'm going to maybe not disclose some assets so that I can get that USDA loan. Maybe this is a way to try to filter people out and, hey, you know what, if you do have the ability to make a 3% or a 5% down payment, maybe you do want to go conventional and let's reserve USDA for the folks who truly can't make a down payment. Well, and I mean, truly, it's almost that the that that funding fee, right, the, the 2% or soon to be the 2.75% on the no money down program, it's almost like you're just borrowing your down payment, <laughs> Right. So you're you don't have it. So you get this special program and then they just kind of tack it on there. And if you if you do have three percent down, then you could do a Fannie Mae loan. Um, but see, the problem there is that that interest rate is higher. That mortgage insurance is higher. Um, on the upside is that mortgage insurance doesn't last for the whole life of the loan yep. the way that it does for one of the government loan programs. But. But even still, you're you know you're kind of just wrangling around all those little numbers. So it's kind of like on USDA, we're just going to give you a lower interest rate because it's an insured program, and then you're basically going to finance your down payment. That over time, you know you're going to end up paying that money in anyway. You know, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about all these what if kind of things how long are you going to stay in your house kind of helps determine which program makes sense for you all that kind of stuff makes it the thought that popped into my head is it makes it really hard if you're if you're trying to apply for a loan through an online kind of company sure and making that decision i can't imagine that there's a lot of helpful guidance beyond you know here let me read about this program read about that i mean that's not enough yeah. for someone to really understand you need to have a professional to bounce these ideas off of, a bounce bounce your goals off of, and you know, I'll tell you, it's <laughs> funny that you say that because pretty regularly I find myself in the place where um, I gotta understand the place that someone's coming from, right? Because sometimes I'll just get an email where somebody says, "Tell me what your rate is on this FHA loan," and I mean, I don't, I don't want to be a pain in your butt. I, I can just tell you the rate on my FHA loan. I do that really easy. Can I first ask you why do you need an FHA loan? Um, I'd like to understand that because right out of the gate, the best service that I can offer you is by understanding exactly what your circumstances are, and then we can figure out what the best financial strategy is for you in terms of financing this home. Some of these guys get going where they start online. Well, what's a low down payment loan? Oh, that's an FHA loan. Cool. Let me read about that. They read about it and they go, that sounds like a pretty great program. So they call up and say, I want an FHA loan. Well, that's probably not the best loan for you unless there's some reason that you have to have that or, you know, something like that. You know what I'm saying? It's really important for us to figure out what your circumstances are so we can see what it is that helps you or hurts you. Where are you best going to fit into the programs? I, I, I like to give this illustration and it'll work well for the radio too. Um, you guys ever watch the price is right. You remember that, um, oh, yeah. that show it's still on, fun. right? Yeah, of course it is. All right. Well, there's a game on there, and I haven't watched The Price is Right in at least 20 years, so oh. I, I'm going to be shooting from the hip a little bit, but there's a yeah. game called Plinko. Sure. 
where the contestants go up behind the board and they get, you know, depending on some discs. Yeah, they get like these little puck type of things. And ultimately, this is their token to drop down the board. And the Plinko board is mostly vertical and it's got a bunch of pins on it, right? Yeah. There's a couple of great prizes that are small and up in the middle of the board. Mm -hmm. And then there's some prizes down on the bottom of the board. So your token's going to rattle through all these pins and ultimately find its way into the bottom where there are some prizes. And mm -hmm. down in the very bottom, there's like the $10 prize and there's 50 of those. Yeah. And then there's like the $500 prize, but there's only like two of those. Yeah, there's a few. So you're just playing the numbers game. You need to drop the thing through. I've okay. seen playing. Actually, I went to CVS and watched the prices nice. right. All right, and so they brought Plinkle out. I'll tell you, <laughs> this is sort of the home loan Plinko. Okay, when you come in to get a home loan, the stand up at the top, and your your borrower, you are the little disc, and the first drop for you is generally, I'm going to say, a VA loan. If you are a veteran. Congratulations, you landed in like the best prize. You're going to get the bomb interest rate, no down payment, no max loan amount. I mean, just there's so much about this program that's just awesome. But what's that? You're not a veteran. You're just, you just missed that prize. And now the next one you're heading for is typically going to be USDA. Again, really great interest rate, no down payment, the lowest mortgage insurance of all of the programs I know of. Um, and I'm, I'm sort of starting to paraphrase a little bit now because I don't want to bore the socks off of everybody. But after you miss that, the VA, then you miss the USDA, the next one is typically going to be the conventional loan. And there's some different varieties of conventional loan, the minimum down payment of 3%, you know, for the most part, you need to put 5% down, but it's, it's the next best one. Um, in this mortgage Plinko, the bottom down at the bottom where you fall past all of the good prizes and just land in the default, we got to give you something because you played, that's FHA. That's the program that everybody's going to win that one. If you come into our office and you can't even get an FHA loan, something's seriously wrong. And now we need a different... Like, we need to just work on some stuff. I don't know what it is. You need a job or we need to fix your credit or more time from your bankruptcy or whatever. But you know what I'm saying? That's the way. So it's really important for us to understand whether somebody can fit into any of the better prizes, any of the better programs than FHA. Um, it's a, I think it's a good illustrative thing because sometimes those people call them, say, I just need an FHA loan. And I'm like, hang on, Why? Let's see if we can't get you into anything better than that because they're all better than that. All right, guys, that's the first hour. So we have another hour coming up. We're going to do this break here. Um, take some time out to thank the sponsors, get a couple updates, go grab some new coffee, water the dog, do what you got to do. We'll be back in a few minutes with more Mortgage Matters. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. <laughs> so clever. 
Yeah, I love that. Yeah. We got a call. Right yeah, we do. We got a call. It's a great time to say if you yeah. want to call, call. Hey, if you want to call, you can call. It's 543-8830. Come Five. on down. 543-8830. <laughs> we will uh you can ask a question or share a comment live on the air or you can uh you can ask Jim to share your question or comment and uh he will do it for you. And um I did want to take a moment to just let you know if uh, if you're listening to the show, you probably have a bit of an interest in real estate and finance. I do, I do. And uh, and today there's a cool event going on up in Paso Robles. It's the uh, Paso Home Show. Happens twice a year up there. In, Is that, uh, that at the fairground? Yeah, it's at the Paso Event Center or Paso Fairgrounds. Hey, look at that. And, Mike uh, is calling from the Paso yeah, Home hey, there Show. there we go. And we have one of our um, loan officers, Mike Points, calling from the Paso Home Show. Hey, Mike, are you there? What's happening, guys? Calling you live from the Paso Home Show. Nice. <laughs> nice. How's it? Did it just open? It's open. The doors are open. Get here from 10 to 5 today. You'll see our booth with a bunch of other vendors that are basically geared around improving your house or just, you know, figuring out what you want to do different in your home, put solar, get a loan. And there's all types of food here as well. So you can spend a whole day. It's free entry. Nice. It's Come like the, it's like the fair never left the fairgrounds. That's correct. There are <laughs> corn dogs. There is not a concert with some country star playing, but there is a booth here that we are representing. We've got a really cool uh, theme here. It's a baseball theme. We'd like to have you come on by. Oh, are you giving stuff and away there? Giving away koozies, free oh. iced water. Nice. You're going to need it in Paso. Yeah. And plenty of free advice about how to buy or refinance a home. I like it. Um, yeah. So t- you said today it's open from 10 to 5, and tomorrow, what are the hours tomorrow? That's right. Sunday, 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 10 to 4. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, so tell yeah. us a little bit. Is are, are people already there, or is it, you know, I know the door's just opened. Is it just starting it's to? kind of like the grocery store. We got the older folks here right off the bat. <laughs> And I think everyone else is getting breakfast and they're on their way over. Awesome. And have you checked out some of the other booths? I have. Anthony and I, Anthony Rodriguez, our other loan officer from uh, Central Coast Lending here, we walked around quite a bit of construction, uh, lots of cool, uh, shall I say, food vendors. And uh, there's probably over 200 vendors here. It's pretty neat. Wow. And there is full throttle AC going through this place. (laughs) That's good to know. Hey, yeah. it's a it's a cool Make oasis note. in Paso. Hey, um, are some of those booths are pretty pretty amazing there? If I remember correctly, I like the ones oh, with the pavers and that kind of thing set out. Little the some of the uh, like landscape guys will build like a whole garden in there. Yeah, that's that's up school. And the that. mortgage yeah, booths are really cool too. A, there's a guy that's got like a waterscape going. I don't even know where the water's coming from. Tell them there's a drought and unplug it. <laughs> <laughs> You're mean, yeah, Jason. Pro- probably, <laughs> sure it's mean. He'll just yell at me and tell me to get off his lawn, right? It's probably pretty tough to sell a fountain at like a home show nowadays, huh? Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's cool. I'm glad we're here, and we, we hope to see you guys out here. All, All your right. listeners. Well, thanks for calling in and telling us about it. Um, 
Just a, another quick reminder, today from 10 to 5, tomorrow from 10 to 4 at the Paso Fairgrounds. It's the Paso Home Show. Go by and see Mike and Anthony at the Central Coast Lending booth. They'll, uh, they'll get you refreshed with some water and, um, and talk to you about how you can get a better loan on your home. Thanks. That's right, guys. Thanks for having us on. Have a great show. Thanks, Mike. All right. Good times. Yeah, you know, I've I've gone to they do it at the Madonna Expo Center too and um a couple times a year and it's it's a great place to get ideas for your home on how you can improve it. Yeah. If you want to do big improvements or just little small things. Once you own a home, that's like stomping through a real life catalog. That's right. About like what you could do, upgrade ideas, remodel ideas, DIY. Well, you've got you've got the real local professionals right there who can answer questions you have. You're not just browsing online or in a catalog and maybe don't Get all your questions. Those answered. really cool screen doors. I know you like those. You don't. You don't even need screen doors in Morro Bay and a Tascadero. Uh, I mean, you, you judge a man by a screen. <laughs> you got to have one. Hey, we've got another caller waiting patiently on the line. We've got Nancy in Arroyo Grande. Hi, Nancy. Oh, hi, hi there, Dan and Jason. Good morning. Well, um, uh, good morning. Good morning. I got a situation that could be shaping up in the next few months, and you did a VA loan for me. Uh, uh, not quite two years ago, and it was great. You guys were fantastic. Um, and I wanted to know, it seems like I saw in the documents that there was assumable. And what I wanted to know, if that comes to pass, is that assumable by anyone who qualifies, or do they have to be a veteran? And also, I have another question after that one. All right. Um, yeah. So first of all, on the assumable thing, assumable for everybody on the bigger picture, assumable means that some other party can come along and take over the financial responsibility for your loan. And usually government loans are assumable, whereas like conventional loans are not. And the VA loans do fall under the government loan category. So those typically are assumable, but they're assumable only by somebody that qualifies for the program um, itself. So it would have to be a veteran. Um, and I'll tell you, Nancy, as and everybody else that's listening, I had a guy come into my office a few um, months ago who had a VA loan. He was a veteran, had a VA loan, put his house in the market for sale. Another vet, you know, was close to a base. So another vet came along, wanted to buy the home. They did the assumption. Turns out the original owner has still um, some responsibility to it because that new owner ended up going through default, didn't, wasn't able to make the mortgage payment. The house went through foreclosure. The guy that got the first loan that was assumed by the guy that went into foreclosure, he lost his entitlement because of that assumption. Wow. So it's not something to take lightly. And I, I, I'd have to say, based on that alone, I would say I don't recommend it. Okay, yeah. Well, that's interesting. I, do, I guess I had heard about the assumption problem years ago, but then I didn't know how things had changed. Well, and in my case, one of my considerations was uh, to sell it to my adult daughter and her husband. Right. <laughs> and that was a possibility, uh, but they, they, that's a special situation, too. And I was wondering, uh, you know, I could have given them a, a little break on the price, and we thought we could work out a deal be, between us, and you know, with not using an agent, and maybe yep. just going through a title company. I wasn't sure. I'm just trying to figure out what information I've been needing to to make this uh, if this comes to pass. This is just one option among three or four other 
uh, excellent uh, possibilities. So um, I just wonder, since I had dealt with you uh, all and, and the, you all said straight shooters and know uh, your stuff, I thought, well, I'll start with Jason and yeah. person, and we'll take it from there. Well, but, Nancy, uh, I sure appreciate yeah. that. And, yeah, you know what? You ought to, um, next time you're around uh, slow, drop in and see me. Let's catch up and talk about that. And, and uh, I'll share with you some ideas that I have, too. Okay. Um, but, yeah, that'd, that'd be fun. Oh, it'd be great. nice to catch up that's with you. Uh, thanks so much. I'm encouraged by that answer. So, all right. I'll go back to your program now. Love right. your program, too. <laughs> thanks, Nancy. All right. Thanks, Jason. Bye-bye. So, on assumptions, what happens is uh, you're... Why would you do an assumption? Here you go. If you're on the hook for it, even after you've sold the house and had someone else assume the loan, that doesn't sound like a good idea at all. On VA. On and, VA. and here's the deal, though. On VA, you can just lose your entitlement. So here's the risk. Let's say I'm a vet, you're a vet. You want to assume my loan. They're more or less asking me to make some character analysis of you. And if yeah. we're just if we're just doing a real estate transaction, I mean, yeah, we're both in the Navy, so I'm super pumped about that. But other than that, I have no idea what kind of person you are. Well, and you can't predict the future for that person either. You don't no, know what if, if you get gonna... die or right. the spouse gets cancer or something catastrophic happens that destroys them. I mean, that just is. So like, but let's say this though. I mean, look, let's say I have an FHA loan from three years ago for 3.25%. And now we're 10, I'm 10 years into my loan now, right? Let's say now it's, it's 2022 20, or whatever the year is. Right. And I want to sell my house, but interest rates are eight, eight or 9%. So anybody that comes along, gets a new loan, it's got to get a new loan at eight or 9%. So I'm going to market my house as I have an assumable loan at 3.25% interest. Now, 10 years into that deal, you know, my loan's only going to be for, I don't know, half of what the property's worth or something. However, if somebody that was going to make a 50% down payment anyway is interested in, in buying my house, it becomes a little bit more attractive that they could assume my loan that only has 20 years remaining and is at a three and a quarter percent interest rate. So there's a time where assumable loans are pretty cool marketing token. Um, all loans really used to be assumable, but it turns out that was good for the consumer and bad for the bank. And since the banks make the rule, they came out and said, oh, no, if you're going to sell your house um, to another party, they need to get their own loan. They need to get a new loan. So on <laughs> conventional loans... Like most every 30-year loan or the adjustable rate loans, a bank, every bank loan that you can think of, they pulled the plug on the assumability piece. I'm very curious to see how assumptions are going to work five years from now when the bank is making sure that they're credit worthy. Right. Um, I, I feel like all of a sudden there's going to be reasons that pop up that someone can't assume the loan and, oh, you have to get the new 8% loan. Maybe so. Maybe so. <laughs> we'll but I like to think at least like in the FHA loans and stuff, um, you know, because what happens though? Like, so the loan that I have, um, I'm current, my current servicer is Franklin American. So I'm paying Franklin American. If I come to them and say, hey, this guy Dan's going to buy my house. Cause I gotta, I mean, I gotta go. I'm downsizing. I'm upsizing. I'm getting out of Dodge, whatever it is. 
this guy Dan's going to buy my house and he'd like to assume my loan. Franklin American could say yes. They could say no. If they just say no, they're not going to get your new loan. Right? Not necessarily. Yeah. You're going to get it anywhere else but them, especially if they piss you off by saying no. Yeah, that's true. So maybe they do because they're going to at least keep it in the house. Right? Yeah. It's got a good equity position. It's got a good payment history. It's not not a high likelihood of going into default. And then they, they look at you and they say, this guy's a good borrower. Ah, we can let him go get a new loan and just pay us off where we get nothing, or we can let this guy just take this loan over. And yeah, he's getting a smoking deal, but you know, I don't know. That's a good point. I like to think that I like to think that they'll do that sometimes. But when like from yesteryear though, when I'm like, you know, second bank of San Luis Obispo and I've loaned you some money and now we're ten years into it and you know, you've got a three percent loan and then the current market's 10% and you're like, Hey, my buddy Dave wants to buy the house and assume my loan. <laughs> Sorry, Dave, you can get a new loan at 10%. That's how this is going to go. Cause right here in this little one horse town, I'm the bank and I'm not letting you assume that loan. I mean, that's why assumptions really went away for the most part. But nowadays, I mean, the globe is so much smaller. Technology has shrunk the business forum so small that we can we can get a loan anywhere anytime from any old company it's it's pretty wild how well that works what are you smirking at i'm just laughing what just laughing all right perfect you're just flipping some pretty important stats over there huh yeah i was just gearing up for where our conversation's going next where is our conversation going next well, I don't know. There's an there's another new little change here that I thought was pretty interesting. Did you read that um, starting next month, FHA is revamping a lot of guidelines, some of them for the better, some of them for the worse. Um, here's a pretty interesting one. If you buy a house um, now with FHA, your non-borrowing spouse, you have to provide a credit report for. It's like... Currently, this is a rule on a VA loan where... You have to do it on FHA, too. FHA? Yeah, you have to provide a... Not a always. ...report for your spouse. Not always. Now it's a across-the-board hmm. requirement on everything. And the other the other interesting thing, too, I always find that's an interesting one, on VA or FHA, where you have to provide a... So you're buying a house separate from your spouse, right? Because it, maybe it's owner-occupied, maybe it's not. But what's the value of knowing what your wife's liabilities are, your husband's liabilities are on their credit report without taking into consideration their credit or even knowing, I mean, I mean, their employment or their income. You don't even know if they have a job or not. What's the value of knowing that? I always find that to be an interesting thing. Um, if you're your non-borrowing spouse has some really significant credit problems. Like, you know, just crazy medical collections or a foreclosure, something to believe that some legal action may come against the two of you. So with that information now, I might not loan to you. Um, but we've had it come up where there isn't something majorly derogatory, but that the non-borrowing spouse owes a lot of money. <laughs> like they've got a lot of credit cards or several car loans or something that 
really make it look like you guys must be struggling to pay your bills together. Um, and then it gets taken into consideration about the, uh, the borrowing. I wanted to mm, just do a break. Take us to a break, Dan. We're going to take a break, everyone. <clears throat> it is <laughs> that was smooth. Wow, that was really great. It is 1021. <laughs> we're going to take a break. And uh, we're going to regroup and we're going to come back in Perfect. more minutes. In more minutes. <laughs> we'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. Give yourself the best possible chance to buy your dream home with our 21-day close. We get you fully pre-approved before you find your house so you can write a shorter, easier offer and beat out the competition. It's time for you to be the offer that gets accepted. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-HOME. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328 what a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. For like three months, you pay it. All right, welcome back. You was just turning on the microphones, man. I was still talking. I was still having break talk. We got a show to do, Jason. Right. We got a show to do. Get her done. <laughs> oh man, Dan! During the break, you started talking about people that pay cash for things. Yeah, I um, I picked up this this interesting report. This is uh, produced by Susie Brands over at Richardson Properties. We had her as a guest of. Uh, maybe a month or so ago. Um, she's a San Luis Obispo-based real estate agent. She also operates a property management um, side of her business, and she really focuses on that Cal Poly rental market, both for buyers and renters. And so she put out a multifamily market report uh, for 2015. And one of the statements, it's a really great report. It's got a little, um, you know, 
one page analysis here and then some interesting charts and and um, statistics put together. So Susie did a great job on this. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that was noted here was that the California Association of Realtors um, noted that the total sales of multifamily properties rose from 14 to 21 percent um, from 2013 to 2015. So over a two year period, we saw about a 50 percent increase in multifamily sales. And that was um, based on some surveys from these investors was because there's a decreasing supply of the distressed single family homes that now investors have shifted their focus towards multifamily. And what was really interesting to me is in these multifamily um, property sales, two thirds of investors paid cash so far in 2015. That always blows my mind because, um, like right now, we're still at this historical place, right? I mean, interest rates are Money's so low. Cheap. <laughs> yeah, and no matter what you're, what kind of real estate you're buying or what its purpose is, I mean, we're talking. In a 50-year average, we're at the bottom of what that is. Um, how do these people tie that much money up in cash? And, and and especially in something like this, multifamily, where the odds are you're buying this just for cash flow, right? Investors cited proceeds from previous investments as the primary source of cash funds. So what these guys did, or these folks... 1031 exchange yeah they bought a single family home at the bottom of the market probably for all cash then too the thing is appreciated probably you know doubled in value or who knows what over the however many years they've owned it and now they're rolling it from this single family investment that's increased in value and they're getting market rate today for that home <laughs> that's in high demand um, and they're rolling it into a multifamily property and so they're just they're taking their original smaller cash investment and just taking the gain and 1031ing it into a multifamily. That's kind of mm -hmm. what I'm, you know, reading between the lines what I'm coming up with. Um, so right. yeah, but I was shocked. Two thirds is a lot of people buying cash. But I guess we're in a unique segment of the market, which is multifamily properties. So that's that's not your average Joe getting into their first investment usually. Um, you know, that's that's usually when we're talking multifamily, we're usually looking at an experienced investor. Who, I guess I want to know, like, historically, is this unusual? I don't know. We'll because have to ask there's, Susie. Yeah. Yeah. Or even some some older people. <laughs> Best way to learn history. Talk to somebody that lived through it. No, but really, though, because look. Here's the thing, and, and I could, by the way, I can take both sides of this argument, I think, and do a pretty good job at it. Not only because I I am a good arguer, but I also like to argue. Um, but here's the deal. If you own real estate, especially multi-units, that's rental property, right? You've got a tenant in there producing some rent, and you're you're taking that passive income, right? It's a... It's a better better form of income, really, than payroll, right? Because you're not having to pay payroll taxes on it. Yeah, you're still going to have some tax on on that income. But that property producing that income is completely independent of its equity position, isn't it? So you're going to make the argument then, well, I want to have 
I would rather just have no mortgage on it and just have it just, I put all my cash and I just pay it off because, um, I don't have to worry about what that cash would do in any other investment. Right. Cause look, if you put that half a million dollars into the, uh, stock market, it goes down all of a sudden you're losing, right? Put it into the bond market, it goes down, you're losing. Put it into the stock and bond market, that stuff goes down, you're losing. If you put it into a savings account, because you say you take a mortgage out at the historical low, 4%, right? And then you put your half million dollars into a savings account that's earning less than one, you're losing. I know. <laughs> Even one, you're like going, nah, where are you going to get one? Yeah, where are you um, going to get like a yeah. half? I see... <laughs> Dude, I see like 0.8 every now and again if you're willing to do like a 120-month CD. Um, but look, no matter where you put it right now, it's got risk of going down, okay? And or not necessarily a dependable return. So I kind of see that. Well, just don't have a mortgage then. However, if you put that money, like look at the bigger picture, if you put that money in like a savings account that's earning a half a percent, right, for the next couple of years, it it might not be impossible to get a four or five percent return on a twelve month CD in three years. That might not be impossible. Um, it may take longer than that. It may not. I don't know. But in that case, if you had a 4% loan and you were making a 5% return on the money, you're better off financially than the person that just paid cash and left the money all in the house, right? So it just trips me out. Whenever I I want to talk to these people that are paying cash and I just I'd love to understand why, how and why. And if you're doing a 1031 exchange, I understand that because you still when you sell this property and move the money into that property, you don't get to take out a new mortgage and still get the tax benefits unless you're buying something that's worth an awful lot more. So I understand that, that sometimes money's just going to flow from one to the next because you have to keep that money in the game and you're just not borrowing more. I understand that. But still, we see these people that are buying, I mean, some quarter percent of all real estate that's sold now is still to cash buyers. You come in and buy a house for $500,000 in a Tascadero and you just pay cash for it. It's like, I got to ask you the question then. If I gave you $500,000 today, would you take that and just bury it in the crawl space of your home? I think it's just the lack of of other alternative investments right now. That yeah. it's Yeah. And that's why I said, I want to know historically, is this new? Is this because of where we are right now with such long-term rates of um, nothing and flat and inflation being nothing and flat are people just like, you know what there, because there's no compelling reason for me to, to go leverage and, and borrow when I can just pay cash that I'm just paying cash. And when that changes, you know, maybe I'll take my money out of it and do something. Maybe trouble is if you take your money out later, like five years from now, you take it out. You got to take it out at the rate five years from now, which sort of kills your play against being able to take it out at today's rate and invest it at the five year from now rate. You got to take it out at the five year from now rate and invest it at that rate. It's kind of like, well, why bother? 
Yeah. I just can't help but shake that these people are um, buying multifamily properties for cash, so they have to have been doing something right. And so totally. It's hard to question their strategy. Totally. I, I want to buy some multifamily properties for cash. <laughs> can't wait till I can. Yeah. <laughs> well. Be fun. And then and then I'll tell you why. When I when I do that, I will you'll be the first one that I tell why. But then I'm gonna have such a small sampling. <laughs> I'm gonna have I'm gonna have a small sampling of one guy with a really limited track record. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanna get these people to get maybe I should write a book now. I should target the people that bought real estate for cash and understand their motivation and see if I can't compel any of those people along the way to take some money back out of them to buy more. And I'll tell you this, man, I, 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 I'll never forget this because I nearly ruined my parents' life. I was trying to convince them back in 2005 to take a loan out of their house, right? Because they didn't have a mortgage. Take a loan out of your house and then buy these fourplexes in Phoenix, right? Just put 20% down on four of them. And then after, you know, five years, 10 years, eight months, whatever it is, <laughs> they double in value, right? And the only way you got them was by being fractionally invested in them. You, you put down 10%, put down 5%, whatever. We did 95%, yeah, sometimes <laughs> zero. But, but the bigger play here is that just being staked in them, right? And I realized at the time, and I totally get the f the flaw in the logic now. We have the full benefit of seeing what happened in those markets and all of the people that did that. Um, I was pretty gung-ho about it at the time. I thought it was a pretty good idea. I probably would have done it if I was in a position to do it then. Um, but... You know, the, the reality of it is, is that many people today have their home even here in slow where they don't have a mortgage and you could easily take $300,000 out of that house to buy another house for $300,000 that you could then rent out. And yeah, now you're going to have a payment on your loan here, but as long as your rent exceeds that. You're getting some passive cash flow, helping your tax savings, but also having another piece of appreciating real estate somewhere in the world. And over time, that proves to be a recipe where you could make some money back. Obviously, depending on how financially conservative you are or not, um, that's most people don't feel comfortable playing that leverage game, um, you know, and and. Clearly, just I don't know if I have to say this or not. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm not advocating people do this. It's not we don't have clients that come in that we're trying to talk into doing cash out loans to buy other stuff. And in fact, I can't even remember the last time somebody came in with that MO on their own. Hey, well, I have this house with no loan where I'm going to take a big loan against it because I want to buy some other property we just don't see a lot of that that was big though back in 05 wasn't it oh yeah we 2004 saw, see people cash out to park that money in an investment vehicle and it was you were chic yeah man. getting her you know four fourplexes in phoenix because that was just all the craze or vegas that was another big one <laughs> yep and there are listeners to this show that we've tried long and hard to help recover from that play you know you buy them you bought them for a hundred grand each right and they 
the mortgage payment on those things was like six, seven hundred bucks a month with taxes, insurance, and everything all in the kitty. And it rented for a thousand, eleven hundred, twelve hundred bucks a month. You look at that, you go, What is that? Fourplex. So I have four tenants. A, B, C, and D, and they each only pay 300 bucks a month. I mean, who can't pay that? And there's no way that's ever going down. And if one of them loses their job, instead of getting $0 on my rental, like what could happen to me here in slow, I'm only going to get $900. I'm still ahead because my mortgage is only 800 bucks. So we raced to buy those. And in for our company at the time, it was a maximum of four fourplexes per person until you had a pretty good history of proving you knew how to do what you were doing. You know what happened? Those things really couldn't be rented at some period of time. They really weren't worth a hundred grand after some period of time. They were like worth nothing. Couldn't find a tenant for free. And all of a sudden, that $800 mortgage times four was pretty problematic. So de that's not that's definitely not the right strategy um, for everybody. But you know what? who it would be good for? Somebody that paid cash, right? No mortgage, right? You wouldn't be thrilled when you had a vacancy, but at least you wouldn't be dying because you can't pay your bills. Pretty exciting stuff. Yep. Since we were talking about multifamilies and rentals, I at least wanted to share this story I pulled from the Sacramento Bee, um, talking about California rent prices. This was a oh, they're going down like crazy, and it's more <clears throat> affordable than ever. <laughs> this report was um, a nationwide rental um, survey, and it found that San Francisco has the nation's highest rents. To no no one's surprise. Um, the median price for a one-bedroom apartment in San Francisco. Oh, wait. Let median me think price, about Median price, one-bedroom apartment, San Francisco. I'm going to say $2,500 a month. $3,500 a month. <laughs> Number one in the country. Um, California actually had four of the top 10 cities in the nation. Dude, and uh, you moved past others. that pretty quick. Thirty five hundred <laughs> times twelve is forty two grand. Yeah. So if you're spending half of your monthly income every month on rent, mm -hmm. you need to be making eighty four thousand dollars a year to be broke paying for rent. That's terrible. that's crazy for a one bedroom. That's not even like an opportunity to like have roommates and bunk up to split it. Yeah. Where does New York fall into that? New York was number two. Boston was number three. Yeah. Um. San Jose was number four at twenty three hundred dollars. Mm. Um, Oakland was number six at just under two thousand. Los Angeles <sighs> number nine at seventeen fifty. San Diego number eleven at fifteen hundred dollars for a one for bedroom. For one apartment. bedroom. Uh, let's see here. Long Beach was number twenty. Sacramento was twenty three. Fresno mm. was thirty three. Now Sacramento was at nine hundred dollars. Fresno was at seven hundred and fifty dollars. Mm -hmm. Slows for a one bedroom apartment. Ha I mean, it's it's more than nine hundred bucks. Oh yeah. So they're only looking at major cities. That's why San Luis was not part of this. Yeah. I get hung up on those things a lot. Like, I mean, just last week I helped um, 
a family member move into a one bedroom home in slow and I, it was not, it was an apartment. It wasn't a home. Um, but dude, apartment over there off of, uh, you know, like up by French hospital, basically one of those neighborhoods back there, kind of by Shinsheimer. Nine fifty for a one bedroom apartment. And I was like, dang, good deal. I mean, I we we talk about this all the time. It's a thousand bucks a month, so, and that's kind of that part of town. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't live over there. I get annoyed when I have to go over there. <laughs> it's no easy way to get there. Yeah, I know what you mean. Which way are you gonna go? You gotta you gotta drive around the horn. You can go foothill to California. You can go through downtown. Yeah, I know. However you, you go, it's annoying, and you get a discount for doing <laughs> it. I swear you do. Well, the people who live there are annoyed if they have to go to your house. Fine. <laughs> Here's your discount for living over there because you have to drive out broad down Orchid through Sinsheim or whatever. It's a pain in the butt. It's like, I, anyway, it, it maybe it's just, is it just me? Am I the only person that? I, mean, I have to go over there every once in a while. It's not, you know, it, it's kind of a pain. I live yeah, in I live yeah. in Morro Bay, so yeah, it's it's difficult. But Dude, yeah. they don't want to go to Morro Bay because they have to go. You all get into slow, and now you got to pick. <laughs> what am I gonna do? I'm gonna go down South Iguera, off to South, and then out Broad and up Orchid, or I'm gonna go up through town and out Johnson and up the hill and past the hospital. This is uh, over the hills and through the woods. Yeah, yeah. These are that these are truly San Luis Obispo <laughs> problems because there's no traffic. Yeah. It still only takes you ten minutes to get to wherever you want to go. Oh my god! And that's if you have to go on the other side of town. Uh, yeah, a one bedroom apartment, <laughs> like off Pacific, or something. That's gonna get more money. It's like right in town. It's super yeah. convenient. Transit's so easy. Convenient. Oh yeah, I mean it's saving at least six minutes. It's like. Yeah. <laughs> Because there's such gridlock in San Luis. So, anyways, I was impressed that you could get a one-bedroom apartment over there for nine fifty a month, and it was actually a pretty cool little place. Kind of spacious, lots of closets. I was like, check that out. Well, it's also further away from Cuesta and California. Then you read this article where we don't even make. I mean, we didn't even make the list at all. Just yesterday, I found myself annoyed again. There was an article I read online that um, Cal Poly was, uh, I think, number fourteen amongst. High salaries by diploma. Hmm. Salary by diploma. Yeah, that's good. Right? Mm -hmm. So if you went to Cal Poly, you're going to be earning higher incomes than, I mean, just as a rule. I the most other says things. something about the quality of the school, but also the focus of the, you know, some of the disciplines there end up in a higher paying career or whatever. Right. And then I look at this stuff, I'm like, how do you know? It's like when San Luis comes out popping off some stat about jobs and salaries and stuff. They never asked me. How do they know? How do they know? Does Cal Poly actually – I have a degree from Cal Poly. Do they know how much money I make? The the alumni don't call me. Well, they did a survey. That's how surveys work. Survey. They do a sampling. Exactly. And then they apply that sample to the – To the broader aspect, yeah. the broader picture. That's annoying. Yeah. I get well, bothered know, by I'm bothered know, by this maybe, apartments one. It's know, a thousand bucks a month to get an apartment in slow. It, it, and we didn't even we didn't even make well, the list. Well, this is major cities. If yeah. if they had included smaller cities, then 
there might be a lot of other ones above us, and then it's we still don't make. When your smaller city is beating major cities yeah. in the very stat you're talking about, your your sample is flawed. Well, who who's doing this anyway? Because I, I got to interject, I, and I I take your side here for a minute here, Jason. Because nobody any, ever takes my side, Jim. Well, don't is start it, now. Is any university going to come out and say, you know what? You graduate from here, you're going to have a really crappy salary. <laughs> You know, I remember I mean, seriously. I remember when I graduated from Cal Poly, yeah. they were saying things like, "This is a tough economy. Yeah. It's not going to be easy. You might even consider going to grad school." Well, sure, <laughs> but they're not going to say you're gonna, your salary's going to suck. Well, it wasn't even. I, I don't believe it was a Cal Poly produced yeah. survey, though. Yeah. Okay. I think it was a ranking yeah. by university and what their salary levels were yeah. by graduate. So, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but. Um, yeah. I mean, you just got to look at it. I mean, they're going to promote the positive aspects of the university. They're not going to say anything negative. Student loan stuff does enough for that always anyway. huh? Let's take our last commercial break. All right. And then we'll, uh, yeah, we have, then we'll come back. Yeah. In more minutes. All right. (laughs) Stick around. We'll be right back with more mortgage matters. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. As mortgage experts, we can help you refinance your home or investment property. We can lower your rate, shorten your term, or get rid of your mortgage insurance. Don't miss the opportunity to improve your financial situation. Call Central Coast Lending today. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles in Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people. Agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. Everyone's 
All right, guys, welcome back. There's not a lot of time left. We're running out of time here. Um, I did want to remind everybody, too, that um, we earlier in the show, we had Mike, one of our loan officers, called in from the Paso Robles Home Show. He and Anthony have a booth set up up there, and, um, you know, they're giving some swag away, but really just hoping to meet people and um, be interactive um, and offer some help. Uh, I think one of the, and, and the main reason too, is if you're up there, usually it's because you own a home. So that's the demographic that we're after. Those are the kind of people that we want to know. But, uh, you know, oftentimes we help people with a, a refinance loan where let's say you need, it's about time to do a new roof. You know, the house needs paint. You need to remodel the kitchen, any, you know, like do maybe new countertops and all new appliances, something where you're going to spend 20 or 30,000 bucks or something. Um, those are great times for people to do a, a refinance where if you don't have the cash to pay for it, or even if you do, and you just want to hang on to your cash, you can do a refi where we can, you know, get you that kind of money. Or sometimes people will pay the cash out to do all of those things and then do a loan to get the cash back out of it. Um, so just kind of food for thought. And I'll tell you what, you know, the, with all of the different, um, loan terms that are out there, you know, and I say that, but you can do a 30 year fix, a 25 year fixed or a 20 year fixed. Sometimes, you know, let's say you, let's say today you have like a four and a half interest rate for a loan, maybe that you got six years ago. I said, not a terrible rate, and you've only got 24 years left on that loan. But if you could redo it, you know, like a good 20-year loan right now is probably at somewhere south of 4%, maybe 3.875 or 4%. Um, you might be able, by lowering your interest rate and shortening your term, you might even end up with the same payment. So... Um, or maybe you do a 25 year loan to get $30,000 out for the remodel or upgrades or whatever, might even just have the same payment. So, um, those are the kind of things these guys are hoping to talk to you about. Um, those are the kind of things that we always like talking about too. Um, you know, most of the time for those of us that have a budget, you have a, your mortgage payments just kind of fixed and part of it. Um, and so doing home improvements or remodels or any of those kind of things are things that you generally just put off because you're saving towards doing, uh, that's a fine approach too. But if you do need to do something sooner than later, using a mortgage to accomplish those is, uh, is one of the options. And that's something that we do. We can just help you understand what your options are. So if you're looking for something to do today, drop on by the Paso Robles Home Show, go see those guys. They're giving out, um, did you see them yet? They're like the 80s color. Um, the koozies? Yeah. The, yeah, I always call it a beer koozie. I realize it's not just for beer, but you you know, a beverage holder that's insulated. Yeah. Um, they got our logo on them. They're kind of cool. It's all the 80s colors, though. It's like the hot pink and blue and yellow and that. Um, pretty cool. I just wanted to say, too, that... Um, as always, whether you call us on the phone during the week, whether you're visiting us at the office, or whether you're seeing Mike and Anthony up at the home show, our whole our whole um, approach to selling a loan is a very low pressure. It's always 
an effort to help, not to pressure, not to sell. Yeah. Sell you. It's if if you need it, we're here for you. So we got we have very approachable guys. You and I have done these booths before, and, <laughs> and it felt like I think we did one in 2009, which probably had to do with the time everyone was mad at their mortgage, um, you know, their loan officer, and so people were like doing the military crawl on the ground to get by us without us seeing them. Right. You don't have to do that with. Uh, with well, you know what's funny? They're, they're nice guys. It's, it's I'm just gonna throw this out there. <laughs> I just want to just. Call a spade a spade. You know why we never did another home show, me and you? <laughs> why? Because we suck at it, dude. <laughs> we don't want to bother anyone. And yeah. if we got everybody's business cards, like, you know that sales guy? I mean, this happens to me at the like, like at a car lot, right? You just, you slip and give that dude your number. And now all of a sudden there he is like, and, and, and maybe you're really nice. Like, like Dan, you're a super nice guy. And if you got my number and then started pestering me, it would take me, I have to let my frustration build before I could finally be like, dude, you freaking driving me nuts. Stop calling me. Cause I'm a nice guy too. I don't want to, I don't even want that. So when we did all those kind of things, it was always like, you know, even if we collected contact information from people, I have a signature in my email still to this day where like somebody contacts me by phone or email. Um, and it says, Hey, I, it's not my desire to harass you. If you have lost interest in this or just simply want me to go away, just say so. You won't hurt my feelings. I hate salespeople too. Because we all do. Nobody likes that, right? No, I don't. I purposefully, <laughs> I want to steer clear of salespeople on account of I do not want to be harped or hounded by you for your product or service ever. I really like the people that, you know, and this is because you're supposed to do business the way you want to have business done with you, right? This is how I do business. Here's my info. You know you know where to find me. I'm in the same spot I've always been in. Yes, my number is 543-LOAN. That jingle haunts your brain. Everybody knows it and hates it. Um, I am not going to be the guy that's calling you, following up with you, pushing you around. Are you ready yet? Did you decide to do this? You know, or the, you know, I know your kid's going off to college next year. Have you thought about taking money out of your house? Those kind of people drive me nuts. We don't do that. Nobody at our company does that. So (laughs) it's one of these things I want to just, and by the way, Um, there's not a lot of anonymity in a live radio show. Uh, I would invite anybody ever that's had an experience with central coast lending. That's different than that to call right now and say, so you've not had a different experience than that. If anything, we're probably a little bit too lax on following up. Maybe there's some room for us to be more proactive at contacting people that called in one time, but, um, yeah, we, that's not the way we run our company. So if you, are interested in reaching out to us like you ah, i'm just not sure i don't know if i qualify i don't know if i have equity i don't know if it's mathematically a good decision for me to to pay this off with you know or whatever however it is you want to consider it um totally safe here's your invite call us or come in we'll give you the straight talk and then not we're not just going to start hammering you um we are doing that newsletter now every month. Yeah. How many people opt out of that? Well, I don't know. People opt out of everything. Yeah. 
But yeah, we that's really the only But there's an opt out thing that's That's the only legitimate. solicitation you'll you'll really ever get from a from us as an as a newsletter and then you can't opt out of it. It's pretty easy. But we have a we have a pretty solid click through rate on that newsletter. I mean, as far as it goes, we have of who we send it to, many you can tell by the rate it's opened and clicked through that there are people that are enjoying receiving it. So sure. Hey, I wanted to, you know, we only have a couple minutes left. I wanted to just look forward next week. We've got, um, next week should be pretty interesting. There's actually this weekend, there's a conference going on with uh, several of the Fed, um, Fed presidents of the different regions. They're meeting in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, um, for an economic conference. Um, Janet Yellen's actually not going to be there. So the all eyes are on Stanley Fisher. He's the vice chairman. Um, they seemed... He made a statement leading up to this that um, that there was a pretty strong case, quote unquote, right there. There's a pretty strong case for a rate hike at the September meeting, which will occur September 16th and 17th. That was in that Forbes interview a few weeks ago, though, right? It was just la it was just on Friday. Oh wow! Uh, on CNBC, so he's still saying that. He said that there was a pretty strong case, but with the recent volatility and stuff like that, the next two weeks are really going to be important in their decision. And so, really, right now, it sounds like they're very much undecided with this Fed meeting about two weeks away. Friday, we have a job report, and so this coming Friday, we have a jobs report, which is arguably the most important jobs report of the last five years because um, this is probably the, the the most important data that we're going to have prior to this fed meeting about our economy um, so it'll be really interesting to see how that goes this week um, if it's a good one you're probably going to see markets start to anticipate a september rate what hike. if it's a bad one if it's a bad one you'll probably start to see markets anticipate a december rate hike um, so I feel like everybody's already week. written off this month. Yeah, I don't know. When I see comments from uh, the vice chair about there was a pretty strong case for September, it makes me think they're truly undecided. So um, that'll be interesting. We'll talk about that, obviously, next Saturday. Um, we'll review that employment report and and talk more about the September Fed meeting. In the meantime, next week, if you need any loan help whatsoever, Call our office. It's 543-LOAN, 543-5626. That rings all of our offices in the county. Um, whether you're refinancing or trying to buy a home, get pre-qualified, our loan experts are there to help you um, sort through the program, sort through the options. It's, uh, it's, it's hard to do on your own. It's great to get an expert um, to bounce ideas off of. Talk about your financial goals. Talk about your goals for real estate and let us help advise you through this process that's all we are we're advisors um again it's 543 loan 543-5626 or visit us online at centralcoastlending.com we'll see you on the radio next week have a great weekend